Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. I'm here with my lovely co-host, as I always like to say, Matt Offenbacher. How is everything in your world, man? It's going pretty well, you know? We're a full week in the office after being out, so it feels that way. Yeah, no, it's always fun to go and you know do what we did last week, which we're going to talk about today, because I think there's just a lot of exciting stuff to recap. And I'm speaking of the ADENTCE, which is the American Association of Drilling Engineers National Technical Conference and Exhibition. Is that right? You got it all in. Oh, that's a breathful. Anyway, yeah, like, you know, before we get into that, I think it's, you know, again, important. It's like, there's always a lot of stuff going on. And so when you're out of the office, it's it's exciting. But then it just feels like when you come back, it's just a bunch of catch up, which a lot of stuff can be handled while you're on the road. But I do enjoy being in the office or like not traveling for a week after traveling the week before. I mean, it sounds like you're very much the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good to be home for a few days. Perfect. Well, I know you're not a major golfer, Matt, but did you watch any of the Masters or was it just baseball? I followed some of it on Twitter. Okay. Mainly like I was getting thrown off because of the weather and, you know, some other stuff that those trees almost killing people, which that thank goodness. So I mean, how, do you know what happened? Like aside from the tree falling? Like, well, they got they a, say, I guess they got a ton of rain and I, I, I mean, yeah. apparently those trees were ready to come down and they just came down at. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Just so the rain caused the leaves and everything to get heavy, which then just resulted in I don't in know if it was falling. like soften the root systems or what. I mean, I assume they were dead before they fell, but. That's so weird. Yeah. Hmm. Wild stuff. That could have been deadly. No pun intended. Yeah, I mean, and it was like in the middle of people. Like, yeah. It yes. Was, it was like, yeah, because the videos that I saw on Twitter, people were scattering and everything and right away, like trying to see if there was people squishing underneath there and everything. But then like very quickly after, like no one was injured, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Oh, that's terrible. But yeah, the game must go on, as they say. And Sunday turned out to be a beautiful day. And Rom, I guess is his last name, won yeah. it. So for anyone's interested in golfing, I kind of got like really tuned into it. Because when we were, actually we were, in, we were in Midland, I was talking to someone who was going to the Masters oh, uh, cool. this week. And so, yeah, there's a lot of like really interesting pieces to like the tradition of the Masters, which we don't need to get into. But it gave me a very different level of appreciation for the Masters, knowing now what I know about like how it's all set up and then like the chair set up and you know, just the whole experience is pretty unique. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard the same thing. They're like, you should really go. It's an experience like no other, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So yeah, it sounds like a really cool experience and something that, you know, there's golf tournaments all the time. And I, I've been yeah. to a golf tournament and they're pretty fun. I'll say that much. But yeah. at the same time, like to do something that's that special and distinctive yeah, is really exceptional yeah no i i was able to experience waste management which is the complete yeah. opposite <laughs> rager yeah yeah which <laughs> yeah. again so totally different but golf tournaments are pretty cool if you get to see them live and sometimes you luck out and get like arms length away from some of the professionals so if you're not into golf then this is probably pointless to you but most of you i'm sure are into baseball or a lot of you are because if you if you've been listening for any length of time you know matt's like the play-by-play -play. now we're in full swing season mode matt like recap how are we doing how are things looking 
it hasn't Uh-oh. been going great. <laughs> oh, no, really? Okay, so like yesterday was good. Uh, you know, Hunter Brown, two hits, seven innings. Like, he had it all. It was like, okay, there's hope. Okay. Chaz McCormick leading off, did some great things, but they have played some fairly terrible baseball, and I think most people, I don't like to criticize individuals so aggressively, but I do not care for Dusty Baker's lineup cards and... Hmm. I just don't feel like we've put the best lineup out there regularly to give us the best chance to win. But that's been true for as long as he's been managing baseball, which is like a very, very long time. <laughs> Incredible life, like person, everything like that. It's just, hmm. I do not care for the way the lineups are made. I don't feel like they make any sense. There were a lot of people who shouldn't have been starting who were, all that kind of stuff. But so when you say lineup, are you talking about like the people, like the lineup of the batters? Yeah, like or who, you... who's playing that day? So you know, J- oh. Jake Myers really struggling. Let's you know, let's start him. And after he's doing terrible, when you have Chaz McCormick, who you know played incredible for us for the World Series, yeah, it's like, hey, you don't get to start on opening day because I want to try this guy who hasn't been as good as you. Uh, and it just uh, sort of things like that where it's like I don't understand what point you're trying to make. Hmm, I see and. He changes them every day. They're all over the place. So there's just, it's a very, very frustrating. And I think he gets sort of combative when people are like, why did you do that? Mm. And so anyway. Doesn't like being challenged on his decisions. It doesn't seem that way. And I think his decisions are nonsense. So <laughs> Okay, well, Dust, if you're listening, yeah, you've heard it here again. I'll help you next time. Right. I'm sure half of Houston's like, hey, why and what? And let me help you. I could do it much better. So how many games have we played now? Two, three, four? Oh, no, we're up to, holy, probably 11 or something. Cause we're, oh, wow. Oh, right. Yeah. We've had three series, I think. So. Opening day was not last week, but the week prior. Yeah. Okay. I've got a week of blur, clearly. Yeah. Okay. Are we at least 500 right now or? Ish. I okay. think we're one behind or something. It, yeah. Like, it's just a bad start where you're like, I know we're better than this. It's early. Don't panic. Blah, blah, blah. We have like very anxious to have Michael Brantley back in the lineup and Jose Altuve and yeah. all that. But like put a good product on the field, even if you lose, like show me uh, anyways. Well, there's yeah. nothing but upside from here, Matt. Yeah. Clearly. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to drilling fluids, as I alluded to at the beginning of the conversation, both Matt and I were actually in Midland last week attending the AADE conference. And you know, the, I've never been to one in Midland or like to this one in Midland. Most of the time they've been here are you familiar with, like, has it been there before? If so, is it, it's been a while, hasn't it? It hadn't. I think, like, that was the thing is everybody was talking and they were sort of surprised. I don't know this for sure, and I probably should. Uh, I've served on the committee of a few of these now. So the drilling conference is every other year, and the fluids conference is the years in between. So next year will be fluids. Right. And that's usually in Houston. But the drilling one has moved around. We did it in Denver a few years ago. I know it's been in Oklahoma City. I think there's always the concern about like making sure that you can get everybody to travel because a lot of people are coming from Houston is sort of the assumption, right? Mm -hmm. And with SPE, I know like in better years, in better years, they'll travel further. When it's worse years, they keep it close to Houston. Right. But anyways, it was interesting because some people are like, oh, I'm concerned. Will it be, you know, how will the participation be and everything? And I was like, I'm not worried about the permanent base. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And that's certainly what we got where – the convention center is really nice. Like, and I think that's maybe a part of it too, is that they have that really nice convention center right downtown yeah, now. That's a nice spot. And 
strong support from operators. It wasn't just a service company thing. So there was just, it was an awesome conference. I was really impressed with everybody, the way it came together. And so props, especially to the Midland folks that made a lot of that happen. Yeah. Because it was good stuff. Yeah, no, it was neat. And like you said, there was good participation on like multiple fronts. And again, it like to your point, people travel. Like I flew back with a gentleman that a lot of us know here in Houston who lives in Pittsburgh. I mean, there was people from Denver, Pittsburgh, Oklahoma City. I mean, different places within Oklahoma, Tulsa, Houston. I mean, from every major hub, there was a pretty good amount of people that had traveled to come to it, which is cool, yeah. right? Well, and I met some research scientists from, you know, former colleagues who said it was their first time to ever go to the Permian Basin. And I was like, whoa, you know, just as a part of the oil field, and granted, they do a lot of international projects and that sort of thing. But it's like, you know, from an oil field history perspective, I'm really glad you're getting a chance to experience this town. Yeah. Just because it's one of the hugest oil fields in the world, like in our back door and or in our backyard. And it's a shame if you don't get a chance to experience it. And yes, look, we can dump on Midland all we want, but like at the same time, it's a huge part of our history, a huge part of our livelihoods. Yeah. The people are very welcoming and polite. Like there's just, it's an experience to take all of that in. And I'm glad people got that opportunity. Yeah. So no, I, there was actually speaking of people who went there for the first time, I flew back with, cause there was a bunch of delays and stuff. So naturally you got to see a lot of people in the airport and hang out and, I ran into this lady who is from Atlanta and she, you know, not to judge a book, but I was was like, you're not here for work or anything, are you? And she's like, no, actually, she's like, me and my girlfriend are, uh, we're at Lajitas, which is like a resort. And so, and then she was going from there to Midland to Houston and to Atlanta. And she's like, yeah, for a city that supposedly makes a lot of money in oil and gas, she's like, this place is, is different. And like, she was trying to be polite, but Yeah. yeah, like. It's like, it doesn't match, you know? And so yeah. it was, an, and then, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's interesting con- like perspective. And, but yeah, it was just kind of her feedback on what expectations of Midland were versus what they were. She was like, I just thought there would be more to do here. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, most people who make a lot of money in Midland don't spend it in Midland. They go like New Mexico and, you know, other yeah. parts of the country. Cause it, it is kind of within like, not very, I mean, you can direct fly to Vegas, you can get to Denver, you know, there's, yeah. there's clearly some things to do, but again, Midland's cool. The conference was awesome. Again, saw a lot of great people. And I think it would be cool to just kind of unpack the conference for those who may have not had the opportunity. And I'm sure, you know, if you're on LinkedIn or ever, you, you see ADE this and conference that. And so I think it'd be cool to kind of give an inside look, you know, from someone like yourself who attended quite a bit of it to just kind of get some feedback, thoughts, and, yeah. and some sort of highlights on what you experienced. Yeah. And I'll preface this. I mean, obviously I focused on the things that were fluids related, but also there were so many great people there that I normally couldn't walk more than about eight feet without bumping into oh, an old friend or, yeah, yeah. so I missed something like I'm still reading some of the papers that sessions I missed or what have you, but you know, it's interesting, like just starting with the beginning of the conference, breaking it down. So the keynote speaker, co-founder of a company called Octane Energy, mm. but also the mayor of Midland, a woman named Lori Blong. And oh, wow. so couple of things that tie into some of the things you'd mentioned. She talked about, you know, Midland as a town and things that like food for thought. She's like, look, if you're, if you're about 40 and you grew up out here, all you've known really is $50 oil. Like $80 oil is pretty rare mm. because the oil field was in terrible shape when you were growing up. Yeah. And like, it never really did all these other things that you're seeing now, you know? And I was like, that's kind of profound. Mm. The other thing was, you know, she talked about 
you know, a lot of things with respect to her business and getting that started, but tied it into the nature of the oil field itself. And as mayor, she talked about some of the things she was trying to do to sort of help Midland and the oil field work together better, you know, safety, traffic, that kind of stuff. But also, you know, kind of to your point about this person you met at the airport talking about, hey, you know, a lot of us who make our money go spend it in Colorado or New Mexico or whatever. And like, we need to make Midland a place where family, like where you spend your weekends here. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to do about that? She pointed out that the average age, like lots of like the fastest growing demographics, like zero to four years old. Like, so lots of people are having kids there. Yeah. It was sort of like, what are you going to do so that there's things for, you know, I'm getting worried. I'm going to misquote her on a bunch of stuff, but what was really compelling was the oil field, like, you know, has been very fortunate, hopefully continues to be fortunate, but like, what can you do as a resident of Midland or AES as a business that operates, has significant operations in Midland? Like, what are y'all going to do to make this place, you know, better for families through schooling and healthcare and, you know, all these other things. And I know there's been a little bit of controversy. There was, I think, a park that was going to be built that kind of money was donated and some people didn't want it. And, hmm. you know, there, there've been a few, few little hiccups, but it was a great way to kick off the conference of welcome to Midland. Yeah. The oil field is here. Let's work together. And uh-huh. like, let's look to the future, understanding that like the past is not the same thing as the future, yep. but you know, change is inevitable. Every downturn that Midland has had, they've come out better. I think that's something that's true for, I wrote it down cause it was like, well, that's AES too, right? Like was, yeah, we've taken these gut punches aligned. and then come out you know, so much better off, which it's hard to imagine in the midst of it. But yeah, anyways, that's an interesting kind of way to, it's an interesting thought, right? When you think of Midland and again, it's not a place, like you said, that you want to hang out at the weekends with your family. You're going to try and find somewhere else. But, you know, again, and and I think this speaks to a larger, I'm going to say problem, but just a challenge that we face as an industry is the cyclical nature of our industry is it's like, like to keep it very simple, like, do you want to invest in a city that in 18 months could just be like completely gutted and no work be had like because you just never know and with the volatility that we have it's like you know even in, in our industry it's, it's you know companies it's like are we going to invest for you know a 10-year sort of runway or are we going to invest to get something returned right away because we just don't know what the future has and so it just over time it feels like we just constantly are looking at these short-term cycles it's like let's just survive this cycle and see what happens because we don't know what's going to happen and so with midland i kind of see that happen it's like you know, why would they like, let's say spend billion dollars on a fancy new block where you have retail and stores and restaurants. And if all of a sudden things go sideways, it's like you shelve it and then investors lose money. And you know what I mean? So it's, I don't know if it like the cyclical nature of the business has impacted their ability to grow and flourish as a city. I mean, she commented on some of that and said, look, as much as we say people go away, they don't really, which, you know, I think, there is a boom and bust nature to the city, but I think like many places, you know, Houston has talked about this for a while. Like we need to diversify. We need to educate our people so that we yeah. can contribute to, or we can generate economic returns that, you know, doesn't mean like if one sector is down, you know, that the whole city's going to, you know, suffer from, you know, tax income to all those things. And I think, you know, Midland is probably more interesting without getting too far off topic, just because labor is such a challenge, right? Like yeah. when things are good, when you want to build, you can't get anybody to work in your new restaurant because they can all swing a hammer, you yeah. know, and, and just, I think it's complicated out there, but yeah. there are also a lot of people 
going out there where it's they're good jobs that don't require a strong educational background. If you're willing to work hard, you could make some money and you're doing that because you want a better life. But all of that is to put food on the table and enjoy some things. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, wow, I hope they can find some things to enjoy. You know, I I (laughs) mean, because Midland is everybody I talk to. So I love raising my kids here, you know, but granted they may be, you know, their kids are in the private school or, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. it's complicated. I don't know Midland well enough. I just admire it as a town and yeah, I appreciated her words. And I hope that as we continue to go back to Midland regularly, yeah. that we get to see some of that prosperity shared around. One so. last thing I'll mention about that and then we'll move on. Cause there's some mm-hmm. really cool speakers that you, you talked about, but the Hilton, they're building apparently a new hotel downtown, supposedly supposed to be like a more luxurious hotel in Midland. Uh-huh. I particularly am looking forward to that. Not because we of the amazing places we have, which they're great, but nonetheless, if you're in Midland or you travel to Midland, hang tight because there be a nice new hotel being built at some point. That would be fantastic. They broke ground. And I think really? It, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So no. is, it, is it near the park? Is it? Yes. Okay. It's, it's right. They took down, it was a, an oh, abandoned building. Oh, it's where building. they imploded that building. That's where it's going to go. Yeah. And actually- okay. And like, don't worry, listeners, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to move on. But last thing, this was maybe a year ago. I was flying back to, from Midland to Houston and I sat beside the project manager for that hotel. They were there on business and basically still doing due diligence and looking through the underwriting and, and mm-hmm. all these sort of like business things that investors need to know about before they actually commit to a project. And so she was there with everyone kind of showing them around and this and that. And, and I asked her, I was like, you know, this is pretty cool, like pretty profound because you know, for as much money as Midland has, like the hotel scene is not great. And she's like, well, most of the folks are not looking for like a luxurious hotel estate in Midland. But mm. she's like, there is a huge demand for folks coming downtown that are more at the corporate level that yes. want to stay downtown and be comfortable and have amenities that they may be used to in Houston, Dallas, you know, Oklahoma yes. City. So that hotel is going to probably, you know, shine bright amongst the others. But anyway, it'll be cool to look forward to. And hopefully it continues on after that. Fantastic. Moving on. Induced seismicity. Matt, there was a speaker, Mr. Peter Hennings, that spoke around that. What do you think about that one? So he's with the UT Bureau of Economic Geology, if I have this correct. And it was just really interesting talking about all these SWD wells and all of the information they've been able to gather as far as where these seismic events are happening, where they're likely to occur, how that could be managed. You know, in yeah. some places he's like, look, it's, it's too late. Like this fault is stressed and it could have an earthquake. But he pointed out other things from like the big picture of you know, how we're going to extract these resources without affecting people's property or safety or that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Just different things they know and see and, and how they could regulate them. And it, and it was kind of interesting because you could see he was able to characterize all of the different moving parts. So it's like some of them are these deep SWD wells. Some of them is just a bunch more fracturing activity that's much shallower. It was a little bit of everything Hmm. that I thought was really fascinating the way he sort of put all that together and conveyed it. And I mean, there's a ton of data like that was the that was a cool thing is, I mean, I'm sure some of that's proprietary, but some of it is publicly available where I was like, man, this should be interesting because they know a lot about what's below the ground, like a lot more. You don't know who gathers all this stuff. Well, they do. So it it was (laughs) one of those. I really enjoyed that and thought it was pretty insightful. Cool. So was he optimistic of the future? Or was it kind of like, if we don't do something now, like, was he painting a picture of kind of like, hey, we need to figure out how to do this better so we don't crumble the Permian <laughs> Basin or? 
I think he was, well, he was actually very even-handed. It was more like, these are our observations. Here's the data that supports it. Okay. It was, the thing I admired about it as well was, certainly it leads you to think certain things of how this might need to be managed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was, in my opinion, it's the way that a policymaker should receive information, right? Uh, Is, this is what we're seeing, not this is what you need to do. And you look at other hot button topics and instead it's here's the data I'm giving you to make you to so that the only conclusion you can make is the one I want you to. (laughs) It seemed very unbiased. It seemed very scientific. It, you know, he highlighted his level of certainty and uncertainty. And so I I thought that was great. And, you know, he sort of offhand mentioned, he goes like the different talk, not my wheelhouse, but like we got to figure out what to do with all this water. So and, and that's been a conversation that's been going on for a long time. But saltwater disposal will continue to be a very important aspect of what are we going to do yep. in the Permian because we're not just producing oil when we bring these wells on. So, right. Yep. No, yeah. No, good. It's complex. And again, I don't ever speak as an expert or sitting as an expert on that. But it's interesting to hear that these conversations are being had, you know, for the betterment of the future. And if we can have good data that will help make better decisions, then, you know, hopefully everyone wins. So there was a panel, several panels, but talk about some of the exciting innovation stuff that you saw or that you heard overheard during panel times. So, you know, the whole idea was to talk about new technology and some of these things we've actually, you know, seen firsthand and, and been involved with because it's our customers using these things. Maybe we have an opportunity to put a hand in. But so ExxonMobil has, they call it a mud skid and it's doing real time measurements. Mm. And so there's, you know, focuses on simplicity, which I think is sort of differentiated. And so they talked about how they were using it, made it very clear it wasn't going to replace the mud engineer, (laughs) but that, you know, you can make a lot more data driven decisions with an easy to use, straightforward piece of equipment. You know, Payson kind of jumped into that and talked about how you know, their instrumentation technicians are able to make sure these things are running if anything needed to be fixed, but generally they've been very reliable. So that was obviously like directly into our wheelhouse and, you know, they're excited, we're excited for them. You know, Oxy, this was an interesting one. Like if you're not a fluids person, but you're interested in drilling, just sort of the economics game with rig time of trying to drill the curve and lateral in one run with a rotary steerable versus using a mud motor coming out of the hole, going back in, like how much rig time is that? And can we do it? Can we make sure the rotary steerable is reliable enough? Can we, can we meet all of our other objectives? And so that was presented. It was kind of a cool little case study on just, Hmm. we talk about that total cost of ownership and it was, Hey, you know, I know this is controversial, but here is how we did the math to figure out like there's value here for these certain wells. Cool. So I enjoyed that not being a directional drilling guy myself, but you yep. know, it, it was a good case study and those sort of things. And then cool. BPX, they did one. It was it was more general because the, the gentleman's name is Ross Murphy, and he had a ton of experience, you know. So he was sharing kind of, look, throughout my oil field career, you know, he said, look, I'm probably the oldest guy in the room. But throughout my oldest oil field career, you know, there's certain things we thought that'll never work. And guess what? We use it all the time now. Wow. And just kind of shared... I guess kind of a a collection of insights from his wealth of experience and sort of general views on things that really will inspire change with respect to innovation, not only being receptive to them, but like implementing them. Yeah. So it kind of tied the other stuff together. Yeah. And so that was a cool, like, and I like the plenary panel was done in the morning 
which I think is helpful. Like a lot of times I do them after lunch and everybody's pretty, yeah, it's just like pretty drained. Yeah. And then looking so, forward to getting to the bar. And... Yeah. <laughs> there was that. That was a good lively panel. And I think, I mean, I think they took up all the time allocated and then some chatting it up. And so that, that was pretty cool. Not all panels go that well. Awesome. No, yeah. that's good to hear. I talked to a few people that actually listened in and, and said, had some good positive feedback as well. So, that, and that's always nice. The last thing you want is a, is panel discussions where there's like three people in the crowd. No one's asking questions and it's like, okay, this was a waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. That was good. Good. What about the lunch on? So I wasn't there for it, Okay, but I heard good things. So Eric Van Ort with, he's got his own consulting company, but he's a professor at UT. Okay. Yeah, every, I think everybody knows he's big into geothermal. So it was a discussion on geothermal. And mm. normally I would just say that I usually make a point when Eric has something to say to be there and attend. I got pulled away, but I've heard him speak on geothermal technologies quite a bit. And one of the things I've always really enjoyed is geothermal is like something everybody talks about. It's, you know, it's a hot topic. Mm-hmm. There's an argument to be made that where you don't drill, you know, you drill 65,000 oil and gas wells and like a couple hundred geothermal wells. So adjust your excitement levels accordingly. <laughs> but he points out some of the fallacies with where people are saying, oh, we need to put a bunch of research dollars into this. I think Eric sort of calls out like, no, that's not how you practically do some of these things. Similarly, I think I think he has a really good understanding of the demands and the promise of geothermal, where it could grow and, and expand. Mm. So if anybody did get a chance to catch it, I would love for somebody to drop in on the comments or what have you, because I feel bad that I missed it because Eric's a great speaker. He's always got a lot of important things to say. Yeah. But it's kind of like a lot of these things. I was just pulled in so many different directions. I'm glad I was able to catch most of the, you know, special section times, like keynotes and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there was, did you run into a lot of students while you were there? Because I know a lot of times these conferences, it's, and again, I applaud it. I think it's great that students get to attend conferences, but how was the student attendance here for this time? It was really good. So what was really fun is a couple of weeks ago, Ricky and I went to Texas Tech and spoke to the SPE student chapter. And so there were a bunch of students who are also in AADE who attended. So we got to like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, familiar face kind of thing. And I didn't get to visit with them too much, but a lot of poster sessions or a lot of posters, they have their own sort of special like events as well, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say the one thing I love about AED is how great it is to students. And you could see that. Yeah, good. But I went around to some of the posters. I didn't get to see, I didn't get to visit with everybody, but I went around and looked at them. And it's just cool to see what they're kind of thinking about or challenged to work on. There's one guy who was out of OU who was doing some pretty cool like imaging analysis using scanning electron microscopy and machine learning tools to basically evaluate the images for imperfections and cement structure and that kind of thing. It was like pretty neat. Not only that, but you talk to some of these students and like, you're like, okay, what do you know? And they go on and on about how much they know, (laughs) like, and not like to impress you, but they're just passionate about what they put together and they can answer your questions. And like, like they're truly learning, like they become experts in, whatever, you know, nanoparticles to strengthen cement or what have you. Yeah. And you're like, this is really cool. Like, yeah, you're just getting started and you've already like owned something, yeah. you know? Oh, so I really that. enjoyed, I really enjoy seeing the students all the time. If we have any student listeners, always reach out. We love you. Yeah. No kidding. And I was actually able to, I ran into a group 
of students. And they were the same group of students that I saw the week prior at an IADC tech forum. Oh, yeah. And there was a group of them and, you know, shook their hands or whatever. And hey, and then when we had our, which we'll talk about when we had our event, the same group was there. And it was too funny. This one in particular, and he was wearing the exact same suit with the exact same get up, which I'm like, yeah, you know, like, again, you're a student. So you have one suit and that's your go-to. It's like, yeah, but again, just such a good kid, again, passionate and just so eager to like do whatever it took to whatever job like he wasn't like well, i want to work for exxon he's like man i'll just take whatever i can get i just want to learn and I'm super excited to get in the industry and it's just real refreshing to hear that yeah you know and, and i don't know if that's a generational shift i think there was a time where it was like what are you going to do for me kind of thing mm. and i think there's been a little bit of a, a change yeah. and i don't mean like here's the thing our parents teach us a lot and when they say look you need to ask about their training and development programs then they show up and say, what are you going to do to develop and train me? And those are totally fair game questions you should ask a prospective employer. Yeah. Like there's nothing like- Good point. And, and to some degree, they want to hear you say, I want to grow. Right. There's a way to do that. Yes. But at the same time, you hear a lot more students saying, look, you know, I just want to get into this. I want to get established. I don't know anything. And I know that. And I just, I want to learn and I'm excited. Yeah. And that's just really encouraging relative to, you know, sometimes if you got that sense of entitlement or whatever, it's just like, okay, you understand the oil field, like you don't just kick up your boots and say, all right, well, what's next? Like most of the time you're going to be expected to roll up your sleeves, no matter what the job is to get everything started. Yep. So that's a good point. And again, the student part of it is just so neat. And it just, it's unfortunate because I was even talking to, you know, well, Christian Grimes, who we recently had on talking to him and it's just it's unfortunate to see the attendance levels be dropping and you know i say like a lot of the students that i've met are again very passionate and eager and you know but there's just not a lot of them yeah you know the ones that we do that we're getting into the industry i feel are top notch so again just kind of hearing the perspectives on you know why they decided petroleum engineering and some of it's you know same thing like threw a dart at the wall and that's where it landed but yeah hey, you know, they're they're doing it, they're embracing it, and here they are putting forth the effort. And some of it's on their own dime, too. I was blown yeah. away. So, again, you know, huge – again, any students listening, big shout-out, hit us up. We always – again, we embrace the future, if you will. What about the exhibition hall, Matt? That's always kind of something cool. Any, I'm going to ask you first. Were there any good giveaways or was it the same old stuff? So – I'll be honest, I'm the worst guy to ask because I'm always paranoid of just accumulating crap. Right. And we sort of like, we give out like candy and pens because anything nice, usually you get a lot of people who have no business interest whatsoever who want to come up and take your $25, Mm. whatever. And it's just like, this really isn't my target audience. The greatest thing about the exhibition hall, honestly, was that the booths were close enough together that you couldn't turn around without bumping into somebody. And so I made the rounds and talked to a few folks and, you know, learned a few things about products and some technologies and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, for the most part, it was everybody else was in the exhibition hall and that made it pretty fun. Definitely to all of our listeners across the board, it was really cool to hear from a number of you, Mm. but I didn't know we're listening. You know, in fact, one of them said... I listened to your episode on conferences before coming to this conference. I was like, <laughs> really? oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And he said it was helpful, which was like, okay, that's like, that's really flattering. No way. Oh, cool. But certainly there were just a number of, it was cool to like find out, wow, there's all these people listening and yeah. just enjoyable to, you know, catch up with everybody. This is your chance. Everybody's concentrated in the same area. Yeah. And so made the rounds and 
spent a lot of time just walking around and catching up with people. Yep. And the exhibition hall was where it was at. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of shaking hands, a lot of catching up, a lot of, hey, we need to get together. It's been too long. And again, it's, it's you know, like I ran into some folks, you know, again, at the exhibition hall. I didn't get a lot of time in there because, again, getting pulled in so many different directions. But it kind of makes you realize, like, wow, like, we know a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, man, I haven't, like, again, there was a guy from the Northeast that I ran into again. And it's, I think the last time I saw him was when I worked in the Northeast in 2010. Yeah. So it's like, I haven't seen him forever, but we just hit it off and so much to catch up on. And it was really neat. And so, yeah, you know, the exhibition hall, everyone kind of gathers around and check, you know, looking at the, all the different booths and stuff like that. It's good times. And, you know, again, to your point, Matt, about listening and, you know, I did run into a lot of folks who complimented on the flow line. And the reason for doing the flow line is certainly not for the accolades, right? It's like the fact that we're providing value and helping the industry, whether it's you know, for someone to say, hey, I listened to the conference and it actually made my experience a little better because I, you, you gave some good suggestions on when you go to a conference like that and the world yeah. means the world to me. And again, if, you know, if I see you and, and I don't know you and you reach out, hey, I like the flow line, like that's great. But as long as it's, we're helping you, like that's, yeah, that means the most to me. So yeah, no, super cool. Like my session chair, one of my session chairs was like, hey, when I introduce you, can I mention the podcast? Because you give them a short bio and yeah. You know, I said, well, I work for AES and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And he was like, you know, hey, you, you guys should check this out. It's great. You know, and it, it was like, yeah. wow, that's really cool. No, that's so sweet. anyways, it was like, it seems like our message is out there and people are learning and getting something out of it. So that right. was really, it's really validating to hear that stuff when you're, we're in a room talking into a microphone, right? Like <laughs> yeah. there's very little feedback. <laughs> right. There's right? no audience to clap <laughs> or to cheer right? Yeah. or say boo. When we say something crazy. So, and then talk about the paper sessions a little bit. There was a couple of good ones in there. Yeah. I mean, and so I think I'm going to say this, I'm not necessarily endorsing any paper, because I hate to play favorites and sure. all that. But the thing is like a paper session is also an opportunity to dis disagree with something. Someone puts a thought out there and you can say, look, I don't agree with your data or I don't like well, whatever. Just as much as you say, this is really interesting. I also hear the criticism like there's nothing novel here. And you know what? It doesn't have to be. But when you see really good engineering practices put together, like that's a good paper of record. And so I just kind of put out a few papers that I read or kind of went through. And I'm not I'm not saying they're great or bad or anything like that. I'm just saying that like these were some of the papers from a fluids perspective that, you know, were there and you can form an opinion on them. I have my opinions, but I'm not expressing them here. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, cementing. There were some interesting things on spacer design, cool. different compositions and how they're tested, which, you know, we've done episodes on cementing before, but the fact is when somebody says, hey, here was a challenge we addressed through a new design, you can see how they qualified it. And it'll give you an idea of how that process is, like maybe put your cementer hat on for a little bit and think your way through that because you may have to have a conversation when they blame the mud or, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. There were a couple there on the drilling fluid side. There was you know, one on flat rheology or low ECD muds for longer laterals. Mm -hmm. Somebody did something on base oils and you know how they work with kerogen or you know high organic content cuttings, which we know that kerogen kind of stresses emulsions and does some other things. And so this was a little bit more kind of on the, that concept, at least how you know a base oil might. Hmm. respond different than diesel. And there were some other ones on just like lab testing, how you test for SAG, 
using um, maybe a little bit more sophisticated equipment. Maybe that helps you qualify a fluid better. There was one on design of experiment for fluid design, which I think is really, really tough. But design of experiment is basically a matrix you come up with where if you do all these intermediate testing, testing sequences, in theory, you should be able to come up with everything in between is sort of the idea. Mm -hmm. And if you like, you have to do enough iterations to show how two things respond. But with mud, it's really tough because let's say there's like eight additives in mud. Yeah. And you're, are you measuring for just rheology or fluid loss or so these things can get massive, which sort of make can sometimes make them pointless. Sure. But they had some statistics in there. They had some other things where, where it was like, okay, like this is food for thought. So from a technical perspective, you know, there were definitely some interesting papers, you know, two pretty great papers, if I must say so myself. <laughs> so yes, shout out to Montana Farnham. He presented a paper on our water-based mud system. It's called Aquaflex. Yeah. And that was the first time I think he's ever presented something like that. Wow. He, he did a great job. Uh, so to Montana. That's and, huge. you know, you get 20 minutes to present this and you got to answer questions and he had to answer a lot of questions too. So yeah, that was great. I presented a paper on Bayright supply chain challenges and yeah. that went well. It was, you know, it was I wish we would have had more operators in there, but <laughs> it was great or a great opportunity to kind of share some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And all of these papers, guys, are free on the AAD website, or they yeah. will be. They, I don't think they've been posted yet, Yep. but unlike some of the other places where you present a technical paper, you can just go on the website and download these and read them all day long. Oh, yeah. No, so, and they date back. I mean, they've got a full database of dating back. Uh, 20 years yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are tons and tons of papers. I actually, when I first got into the office, I started, I wanted to download all of them and mm -hmm. then I realized how many there were. So then I just stopped. But yeah, because like, oh, it'd be cool to be able to reference them. I was like, well, if it's online, it'll always be there. But yeah. So to your point, if they're not on there by the time we record, it'll be down or by the time this gets released, they'll probably be there shortly after. But any of the papers that Matt's referencing, obviously are going to be online at the, on the AD website and yeah, use it as you want. But, you know, again, I think it's awesome. We got to participate. We had a booth, right? Yeah. You know, big shout out to the folks working that. Working a booth is tough. It's just draining because yes. you kind of have to be on and shake hands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you're explaining things to someone who has no idea. And so it's like you're having to educate them on drilling fluids or they're grilling you on something real specific. And you definitely have to have a broad understanding of <laughs> what we do and who we are. And so whether you're talking to students or operators or everyone in between vendors that are looking to sell stuff. It's, it can be challenging, right? To stay there and be energized all day. So big shout out to them, to the people who, who ran it the whole time. And again, our marketing team for setting that up. And again, you know, so, well, so Matt, you attend the conference, you're meeting and greeting, you're presenting, you're on one for the most part, sober the entire time. How do you relax and just decompress after a long day at a conference? Well, lots of people have parties, <laughs> you know, this is the part where our sales guys are really talented. <laughs> yeah, um, it's where we wake up and go to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was really neat. We had a really fun event. So AES put one on, and thanks to Addy, she put the whole thing together. Yeah. But really just a neat event where we got to see everybody, and they weren't maybe not as bored after sitting through a technical session. They were ready to unwind a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of parties that night probably seven or eight, we had a huge crowd, which was noticeable. Way more people than we expected turned up, <laughs> Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. What were some of the highlights for you, Justin? I think a lot, some of the highlights was getting 
some of our customers or actually a lot of our customers in there that I had never met, but just the feedback on whether it was the account manager or, you know, their experience with AES, in addition to having a party like that for them to be able to go to and feel at home and welcomed, that was really neat. Like there were several engineers that I met that I'd never met before and they knew whether of me or you know, oh yeah, you work with Mike or you work with so-and-so and just to have conversations with folks that I'd never met that we service that just provide nothing but positive feedback about our people and our service. And again, I'm not using this as an, as an opportunity to like toot our own horn, but it's very refreshing when you go to an environment like that because it could have easily been a bunch of AES people and some competitors in there just shaking hands and talking noise. But it was cool to engage with customers that you know, without them, we wouldn't be here, obviously, and to hear the feedback. And then, you know, again, naturally, when folks are participating in adult beverage, it's, you know, they feel more comfortable, maybe a little more open. And so you really get to have sort of like deeper conversation with certain people that otherwise maybe would just be kind of, you know, just in, you know, a little bit more reserved. So really getting to hear that feedback, I just think is, is invaluable. And then too, again, like <laughs> I love seeing students at these things. Like they just, God. they're on cloud nine. We had, a, yeah. there was a, there was a cigar bar and I'm pretty sure the dude thought he was in like the movie Scarface or something. He was just, <laughs> his, he had like at the beginning of the night, he was all buttoned up all the way to the neck. And then by the end of the day, his jacket was kind of loose. He was feeling himself and leaning he was back. leaning back and just puffing Pulling on this big on cigar. Yeah. Like, yeah. just like, I've made it. Like he like, yeah. that was a highlight of his life, man. And he came out and, I was like, dude, you enjoying the party? And he was like, man, he's like, there's no other industry that's like this. That's why oil and gas is the best. And he just like went on. And I was like, yeah, dude, <laughs> go for it. But yeah, yeah. that was that was. I talked to a couple of good, of man. West Virginia University students. And they were really enjoying themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was neat to talk to them because a lot of them are about to graduate, and you know, kind of, you know, hear their thoughts. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great conversation. I think I think that was the thing I enjoyed the most as well was, and like you said, you know, when people are drinking your beer, they normally have nicer things to say to you than, you know, sure. not. But you had genuine conversations. You got to know a few people in a way that you don't normally get to. Yeah. And that was a cool thing to do when it was just kind of wall-to-wall people also that yeah. who sort of, you know, the crowd separates and you have a conversation with somebody where you're like, well, I wasn't walking across the way to talk to them necessarily but like, I'm really glad I did, you know, yeah. I'm really glad we just sort of bumped into each other and started chatting, you know? Yeah. One other thing I want to highlight, and this is something I observed and even talking to folks the next day is I think it's fascinating when you're in a position to hold a party and not care if your competitors there because you know, you're the best. Mm. And I say that because there was an occurrence that happened earlier or it was kind of during the same time. And there was a competitor that was having a party and because of someone's logo on their shirt, they got denied at the door. And mm. it's like, if you think me coming into your party is going to take money off of your table, well, then you've already lost. Yeah. Whereas us, we're like, hey, it was cool to talk to competitors. Like mm -hmm. the pie is big enough for everyone. But if a company is so insecure that they don't want competitors in their party, I think that's just signs of a different problem. So I appreciate us as a company inviting opening the door saying hey you're a competitor come on in because mm -hmm. i can tell you right now if someone's going in there handing out business cards as a competitor they're going to get kicked out so fast and they'll lose a bunch of credibility and respect so yeah. i can appreciate that the level of confidence we have as a company to be like hey we don't care come on in we know we're the best you're not a threat so it's all good come on in you know what i mean i think it's a cool yeah i think you know i don't big into leadership but like simon Sinek, you know he talks about the infinite game i love that and guy. you know he talks about 
one of the stories he shares is he spoke at a Microsoft thing and they gave him a Zune. You know, this is way back when, when iPods were still a thing and all that. And he said it was great. It was better than the Apple product. Like, I thought it was fantastic. Hmm. But all the Microsoft people wanted to do was talk about what they thought Apple was up to. <laughs> and then he's like, I ended up with a bunch of Apple executives. And, you know, I was trying to rib on the guy as we were getting out of the car. And I was like, hey, you know, I got the Zoom thing and it is way better than your iPod. And he just sort of shrugged. He goes, I'm sure it is. Kept going. Wow. You know, and it was one of those, huh. if you're just worried about what somebody else is doing. Yeah. You may not be focused on those longer term looking up at the horizon. Mm-hmm. How do I change the game or how do I do things differently? And there's always going to be an air of insecurity when somebody else is doing something. We get it all the time. Hey, what about that product? You know? Of course. And, you know, you want to approach those things with humility and understand it because, you know, if, if somebody did have a better idea than you, like, believe it or not, there's a chance sometimes people have better ideas than you. Hey, of course. That's fine. But when you see it as an existential threat every time something happens, you're worried about the wrong things. Yeah. That makes it very, very hard for you to think about the long game. Sure. And so I'm really glad that we are focused on playing the long game. We've, you know, as, as Baxter would say, you know, mud companies are survivors, <laughs> right? We find a way to get through things. And so we're always looking ahead at what's next. We're not waiting for the next shoe to drop or, or whatever. So, yeah. 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 And again, so it's so. So you know, let Justin into your party next time. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, damn it. But yeah, so in addition to the conversations with the customer and everything, it was cool to have good conversations with competitors because mm-hmm. it's good to, you know, get an understanding of, of sort of their perspective. And they're not going to tell you right. everything. But, yeah. you know, it, it's just good constructive conversation about, you know, the drilling world or the mud business. Hey, how's things? And what are you seeing? This and that. And again, there's nothing wrong with good constructive conversation with competitors. Like I think it's, you know, it's, it's refreshing at times. Yeah. But all in all, again, great, great event good party you know i was at the airport our flight was delayed the next day and everyone that i ran up to that was waiting to get back to houston which i knew a good portion of them just had nothing but like great things to say about them most of them were slamming waters and gatorade (laughs) naturally but it was really cool and so yeah again this was kind of a cool topic of discussion we've burned almost an hour now so hopefully folks are still tuned in if you are (laughs) hope to see you at the next conference matt any closing last words No, I mean, looking forward to the next one. It's a good time. Perfect. And with that said, all the listeners appreciate the support. If you could review, subscribe, share this with friends, coworkers, anyone that might find it interesting. If you have any questions for a show or questions that could lead into an episode, a lot of times those are the best episodes we have or questions from the audience. Whether it be drilling operations related, mud related, a combination of the two, we're always willing to chat and do our research to make sure we can speak on it well. And with that said, everyone, always remember... Be safe, have fun, and take care. Let your trips be clean and free. Sure. (laughs) On elevators. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.